It's me, Alex. I realized that like two years ago, I did a best of show, and that means that I technically didn't do 300 episodes, and I said I was going to do 300, so I plugged all the, you know, the equipment back in. I said, all right, so we're going to do an episode, then it'll be actually 300, then we can be done with this shit. So I thought, all right, who can I talk to for, you know, this episode? And I went, oh, I will talk to my friend, Jennifer Place, who wrote, writes books. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. How goes it on the East Coast in the wonderful Hudson Valley? Um, it goes. It goes a little humid, and um, but other than that, not not so bad. Oh, very good. Half of my coast is on fire, and most of our air is made of smoke, so it's really awful out here. <laughs> yeah, I think we're doing a little bit better than you. <laughs> yes, it is wonderful. Uh, so yeah, you are a, a writer out of New York. Um, you've gotten a few books under your belt, from what I understand. Yeah. Four. Ooh, four. Look at you being fancy. <laughs> and uh, your recent one is Building 51. Yes. All right. So why don't you, uh, give, a, why don't you give us a brief overview? What's what's the deal with Building 51? Uh, so Building 51 is uh, it's a horror story, and it's about a group of seven friends who decide to go urban exploring uh, at an abandoned mental hospital. Uh, and the setting, the abandoned mental hospital, is an actual uh, abandoned mental hospital here in New York, uh, in the Hudson Valley. Uh, it was called the Hudson River State Hospital, opened in 1871 and closed permanently in 2012. Uh, so these intrepid explorers go in uh, just to kind of check everything out, and they find out that it's not quite as abandoned as they thought it was. Yes, to, to uh, let's say, horror consequences. And I think yeah. that's not a spoiler, consider your book yeah, no. is listed under horror. <laughs> <laughs> it's always interesting talking to uh, other authors about like their books where it's, well, how much am I allowed, not allowed to say, but it's like that weird line where it's like, well, you want to, you know, you want to hook people, but also you don't want to tell people enough about the story because then, you know, that weird spoilery shit. Exactly. But at the same time, like you have certain expectations when you're going to read uh, a horror story. Yes. Now, yeah, uh, some bad shit's going to go on. Yeah. I mean, generally when you go into an abandoned, uh, you know, mental asylum, bad things are going to happen. <laughs> That's true. Just, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a rule. My first, here's a, here's a quick fun story for you. My okay. first, well, not my first, but one of my uh, kind of first paranormal experiences I ever had in my life was sneaking into a old abandoned a mental asylum in northern New Jersey. And uh, we were walking up there and I had, you know, we we're just normally nervous, regular things. I had this wave of fear wash over me and I felt like I was being attacked from my left. Like it was like this primal, like, holy shit, there's something there. And we just, I fucking booked it the hell out of there. Oh, Only wow. time that's ever happened in my life. And I was reading that. I was like, ooh, I forgot about that until right now. Well, until I started reading your book. 
What hospital? I don't remember the name of it. It's in Northern Jersey. It was, I think, in, I want to say West Caldwell, but I don't, I don't remember. It was just, hmm. yeah, it was uh, just a shutdown place, completely, completely abandoned, broken down. It's very much uh, described in your book. This place had uh, tunnels connecting the two, you know, the multiple yep. buildings. Uh, yep. There was, in when we went back, uh, or maybe this was the first time we went there, we were there during the day and. There's still wheelchairs laying around, weird mm -hmm. straight jackets. There's dumb graffiti of, you know, <laughs> swastikas and, you know, Danny has a yep. big dick and things like that. <laughs> but yeah, the, the typical stuff that you would find. Yeah, which is far less horrifying during the day. Yeah. So uh, so the, the Hudson River State Hospital shut down in in 2012 what's what was the state of it i mean were, were there the how close to the how close to reality are we dealing with in the book well it's uh it's pretty close to uh to reality so the last patients left in 2012 but different like building 51 itself had closed that building had been closed down years prior uh and they just kind of left it to uh to rot so the the original hospital was enormous you know there were uh geez i don't know like at least 70 buildings uh that encompassed all of it and that was you know wards administration buildings uh there was a rec center uh staff cottages and um all kinds of stuff so as they closed stuff down they just left them and they left everything in them so i actually went there um in 2016, I went on the grounds. I didn't go in any of the buildings, but you can see uh, all of the, you know, you can see like equipment in doorways. Uh, there's tons of stuff on YouTube and, and you know, Google images and stuff of, of people that have gone in and just the, um, they've left a ton of shit, you know, equipment, records. There's, uh, I think, one room that has like phone books all over the floor. Uh, there's just all kinds of shit that they just left behind. Yeah, which is intrinsically creepy. You know, empty empty yeah. rooms is is the some of the most creepy things you can have. You know, the the, the possibility. Yeah, you know, one thing I think that that really lends to the the creep factor is you know because the buildings were so old and they used lead paint and the way that lead paint rots it ribbons, and to me that just it just peels off the wall, which is terribly creepy to look at yeah it is it's got like a almost like a flesh quality the way that it peels yeah. down yeah it's gross yep. <laughs> that's the uh same one as the one i went into when i was younger though i think a better host probably would have looked up the name of that place before i started this but i'm not a better <laughs> host so <laughs> well i lived in new jersey for 10 years and you i i don't i don't know either off the top of my head yeah i i mean the 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 town west caldwell popped in my head but that could be anything i haven't lived in new jersey for uh, 15 years ish. So a lot of it's just kind of blurred into one diner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think all of the diners you can kind of trade out. They're all pretty much the same. Yeah. It's just one. Yeah. And they stopped letting you smoke in there. So I figured I'd get the hell out of the state. <laughs> exactly. You may as well leave. <laughs> so, uh, what it's a, I'm looking at your, well, I'm not looking at it now, but I looked at your, your history of writing. <laughs> what brings you to horror? Uh, so I've always I've always really enjoyed uh, reading horror, uh, but for me, writing it was really intimidating. Um, you know, because it's a subjective genre. You know, the what scares one person doesn't necessarily scare another. Uh, so 
I, I was nervous whether or not I'd be able to write something to successfully scare anybody. Um, but it was always something that I wanted to do. And uh, with this one, I just kind of figured, screw it. I'm going to give it a try and, and see what happens. And I think, you know, the majority of the feedback I've gotten so far uh, has been pretty positive. I guess I, you know, scared at least a few people. Yeah. I mean, you got your, your five star in it up on, on the Amazon, which is always good. Yeah. Fingers crossed that it stays that way. So yeah, so, so far so good. Yeah, I was, I was looking at your reviews, and uh, my my favorite one is, is someone mentions that your characters are fictitious, but the, yeah. but the, but the book's good anyway. And it's like <laughs> or something. The phrase was something along those lines. It was like that's. I mean, yeah, I guess that's. I mean, I guess it's a factual statement. It was. It was just somehow adorable to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um that yeah they they are fictitious. Um, I'm I'm glad that it managed to be okay. Beside that, yeah. Um, I do have there's one review on uh, on Goodreads that uh, which thankfully I think most people don't look on there, but one one person uh, bought the book and her review was that she the only reason she bought it because she, she it says first off, which it never starts never going to be a good review when it starts with first off. Yeah. Uh, she only bought it because of the setting, so I'm guessing she lives locally and. Then went on to say she doesn't like horror, and the book was terribly predictable, and she didn't like it. Like, well, you cared, you know, you cared enough to to write that review. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't I don't know why you would read it at all if you don't like horror. It's pretty upfront that that's what it is, but um. You know, what are you going to do? You know, the plus for the Amazon reviews is they are not all people that know me. So (laughs) so that always makes me feel better. Yeah. When it's someone you don't know, it's always a positive. My, my favorite, my favorite review I got of one of mine was, uh, so I wrote this, uh, short story about the Mandela effect and, Mm -hmm. uh, somebody left a review saying, I thought this was going to be a, I thought this was going to be a book about the Mandela effect, but it turns out to be a series of short essays. (laughs) <laughs> Which is really weird because one, it's in, it's labeled as short story. So there, yeah, and his series of short essays were the chapters. So it was just this real, I was like, this, this was a very strange thing. And and the fact that yeah. he went out of his way to give you a bad review for that. It's like, I feel like this, like there should be a veto somewhere on exactly. there where, yeah, it's, I, <laughs> this I, one doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Like this lady said, I don't like horror and then reviewed it poorly. It's a horror exactly. book. What the, what the fuck's your problem, lady? Yeah. Well, that's like my first book that I wrote. There was a woman who left me, I want to say it was like a two star. No, it might have been a one star review. And not that my first book is very good because it isn't. Um, but the, the thing that really turned her off about it was that the main character smoked and people cursed too much. <laughs> wow. uh, all right, then. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't I can't for the life of me get my head around people that review for. Yeah, it's it's so strange. Yeah. I mean, but you have people on Amazon that'll review, I don't know, if they bought like a package of hair clips, like, you know, I didn't like the packaging, but okay. Yeah. Maybe find a different hobby (laughs) other than writing Amazon reviews. I suppose. Maybe that's what I'll do someday when I'm bored. I'll just click on the, like any of the negative reviews I've gotten. And I haven't had that many. So, you know, thankfully this won't take that long. And just see what else they've reviewed to see if they're a hair clip reviewer or a, uh, you know, shampoo reviewer. And that's what I do, like. Like, if you see somebody that leaves a bad Yelp review for a restaurant, like, I like to click on them and see if, like, they've ever left a good one. 
So oh, I kind of yeah. do that with, with Amazon reviews. Like, all right, what else do you review? Like, what are you taking the time out of your day to, to write down your thoughts on? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose I'd be terrified of that. Because what if you click on it and every other review is just completely glowing and they're the <laughs> easiest mark ever? <laughs> the one thing they give a shitty review to is like, I spent years writing that. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, if ever I want to feel really bad about myself, I guess I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a good idea for a second. I was like, oh, wait, this yeah. is this is the possibility of really biting you in the ass. Exactly. It's not it's not a good idea anymore. Never mind. Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe it is. It depends on how kind of masochist you're feeling that day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're a writer. I just assume you've got some kind of masochism and depression behind you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part of all of our DNA. Exactly. I think it goes with the territory. Yeah. There's, um, I think it's like a Hemingway quote. He said, like, one of the rarest things in the world is a happy writer. <laughs> I have yet to meet one. <laughs> yeah, or at least a good one. Yeah, yeah. I bet you Shel Silverstein was happy. Probably. Maybe he, he was rad. He wrote like kids' books and also wrote for Playboy. He was he was a weirdo. He he, he probably had a little zip in his step. Yeah, that's pretty well rounded. It's an interesting, interesting body of work. Yeah, I also think he wrote that Johnny Cash song "Boy Named Sue," but I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I get that confused with people. Uh, so speaking about that, uh, I don't know where I was going with Boy that. Boy named Sue? No. So, sometimes I'll just say... Interesting sp- segue. Well, that's the problem is I'm not a good host. So I was just going to say speaking about that and then just hope something occurred to me. And, <laughs> and it did. So what kind of influences you got? Where are you coming from? Um, Writing-wise? Yeah. Or anything-wise. Uh, Fuck it. I mean, we got an hour to kill. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a big... Uh, Stephen King fan. I grew up reading a lot of Stephen King, a lot of Dean Koontz before all of his books kind of started to follow the same formula over and over and over again. Um, I read a lot of Anne Rice and it kind of, I, you know, anything I could get my hands on when I was younger and uh, you know, I, I like going back and rereading Stephen King and I mean, just writing in general, I think one of the things that drew me to it when I was younger was, you know, you get to be like the god of your own universe. You know, you have complete control uh, over everything that goes on. And you know, when I was younger, uh, you know, like we were talking about before with being, you know, writers with depression in the background or whatever, you know, for me, like I had a, I had a younger brother who died when, when he was five and I was eight. And, and being at that kind of impressionable age when you realize, you know, nothing in your life is, is in your control. Uh, writing kind of gave me that back. You know, that was like the one domain where where I felt like I had control of something and, and I could do something with that. So it, it's kind of given me that um, in in life. Yeah, Not no. Super heavy, but... <laughs> no, it's... I, well, I mean, it's... As I said, with writers, you know, we're all kind of, I think, writing our pain is the, you know, the, the how we yeah. get here. So it Pretty makes... Much. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's fun, like the god of your universe thing. That's a good way to put it, where it is it is the one place you, where you have, you know, absolute perfect control of what's happening. Yeah, you know, like I've, um, after I published my first book, I went back to uh, my high school and I spoke to a bunch of uh, a bunch of kids there that were in a creative writing club. And, and that's kind of how I explained it to them, you know, like this, you can do whatever you want. It's obviously, if you're writing fiction, if you're writing nonfiction, it's a little more difficult. But, you know, if if you want to make 
birds swim instead of fly. You can do that because you are creating this whole world. So whatever you want to do, so long as you can back it up and, and make it sound good, you, you can do that. And it, it's liberating. Yeah. I mean, that is, I guess, hmm. I was going to say that's why I got into it, but it totally wasn't. I, I, <laughs> I, read, a, I read a whole crap load of R.L. Stein and I wanted to write an R.L. Stein book. That's how I started writing. <laughs> Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, I guess I wrote my whole life, but I mean, that was, I remember that was my first attempt at a prose thing. And it's, I mean, it's really the worst thing ever written. I was, I, th I mean, I think I was 10. So I, you know, you don't expect it to be very good, but I still, that's one of those things that sticks <laughs> out in my head of like this germinating point, And it's not, it's not a good story. It's just, oh, Fear Street's rad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, trust me, I, the first, my first attempt at, at writing, I think I was, I was probably 11 or 12 and I I wrote a book with my my childhood best friend and we wrote you know like scribbled furiously during sleepovers and we on loose leaf paper and we would shove it in a, a pillowcase at night like so my mom couldn't find it and we wrote a story about two girls which was us um going to a Def Leppard concert and meeting the band <laughs> and it was the worst, most ridiculous thing that's ever been written. I mean, it sounds um, it sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at twelve, we thought that was like the best thing ever. Um, but thankfully, over the years, all of those pages have been lost, which is, I'm sure she would be very pleased to know that uh, <laughs> it doesn't exist anywhere anymore. That's somewhat unfortunate. I I still have somewhere in I have like this just box of really really old crap, and I think I still have like the loose leaf blue lined paper where I wrote that first story somewhere in my apartment. Like I haven't, I haven't looked at it. It's probably, it's probably made of dust and mouse droppings at this point, but it's, I think it's still there. And I, it's somewhere in the back of my head. I'm like, if I ever get popular as a writer, I may like put out a book of all the horrible crap I wrote until I got any good at this. <laughs> my mom put together when I turned 40, she, uh, she put together this album and it's, you know, pictures of me through the years and, you know, my old report cards and all of this crap that, that I had collected and, and gotten throughout my life. And she, that woman keeps everything. And there's a story that I wrote in elementary school about, like, I think dolphins and I illustrated it. So I, I will have that forever. And That's it's, awesome. Uh, I've come a long way. <laughs> yeah, go mom. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for real. You can, you can write a story about dolphins. I don't know how you get them into the Hudson River Valley, but, you know, it's not beyond the you know, realm of possibility. Well, I mean, every once in a while, a dolphin does find its way this far up the Hudson. It's, it's rare, but I don't know that that's a subject I'm going to delve into anytime soon. <laughs> it could be fun, though. Dolphin horror. It's, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a. It's a topic I don't think many people have covered. Well, I mean, The Simpsons did do an episode on it. Yeah, that's true. But I think you could do it slightly more seriously, you know. There's more frightening stories to be told about dolphins. Yeah, you know, hearing that, that awful squeak in the distance. <laughs> Inexplicably not just going further onto land. Yeah, that would be terrifying, actually. Well, it's one of those things I, I always I, like I've read Jaws and a few of the those other kind of books. And I just I I can't express enough. Oh, just 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 go away from water. It's it's the I know like I, I know he has to finish the book, so it's fine. Like I get we have to go with this conceit, but go away from the water. It's just yeah. this is really yeah. easy to not die here. Move to a landlocked state and you're fine. 
Yeah. Which, by Problem the way, uh, so let, so without giving, uh, this is no spoiler review of your book here, and not review, but a moment, I have to tell you, and this is, I, I'm not a big horror person, like, mostly I'm not a big horror movie person, but okay. I did the thing that I watch uh, horror movies, the same when I was reading your book, where at one point, and this is giving nothing away, I'm going, no, 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 just go, no, no, go, th- don't do that, and I think you know the part I'm talking about, where I'm just like, no, that's so, that's so dumb and yeah so i was like well good for you because that's every horror movie i'm that person who's just kind of throwing logic at the screen get, get away from just go get in a car and drive the other way you must be fun in the theater well that's why i don't see horror movies so. well, yeah, just do those at home yeah well it's a combination of you know i don't like horror movies i like horror books uh, for the most part but horror movies they tend to go for jump scares and i i have too much anxiety to deal with jump scares it's just you know, and I'm getting up there in years. I can't have my heart be dealing with that. Yeah, no, no, I could, yeah, I'm not, don't, don't give me a jump scare because I will scream and launch myself off the couch and, or out of my chair in the theater. And, uh, yeah, no, I can completely understand that. I mean, you know, like people doing dumb shit in books, like people are stupid. I, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I created these people, but they aren't all necessarily the brightest bulbs. Oh, um, to- yeah, totally. It's, you know, and that's. This is one of the things about being a writer. I, I, maybe this is, I think this is universal, but have you ever had your characters start doing stuff that you're annoyed at them doing, but you have to start, yes. you have, yeah. Absolutely. Like they'll, they'll start doing something that you did not at all plan for and uh, you just kind of have to run with it. Yeah. The, that's just how it's going to go. Uh, it's so, it's so, I mean, it's not annoying. It's, it's fun how it happens, but there was a whole arc in, in the periphery, the novel I wrote, but like, it doesn't matter. But there was this entire arc that I wanted to write. And one of the characters just didn't go that way. And I just was like, ah, writing, writing, writing. I'm like, oh, I'm just moving so far away from there. I'm like, ah, crap. Now I don't, that whole arc just doesn't, isn't going to be in the book anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> like kind of low key annoyed at the guy in the book where it's like, how oh, the fuck, dude, you could have, you know, you could have listened to me a little bit better. <laughs> Now we're in uncharted territory, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. Which is fine. I mean, again, as you said, I'm the god of this universe, so we're going to get out of this alive. But still, you're making my job exactly. a lot harder there, character. <laughs> Time to rein him in. Yeah. Um, I'm going to circle around because I haven't thought about her in forever. Anne Rice. Which mm-hmm. which books did you read? I don't mean like a, oh. a full list, but I mean like, did you read the the Dirty Ones? The vampire ones, the Christian ones, the weird mermaidy ones. So I read the dirty ones, but those were by accident. My, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so I started with, um, I started with interview with the vampire, which I found in my parents' closet when I was twelve. They had gotten it from the library, so it was like a you know first edition hardcover that I have since lost, and I'm super pissed at myself for. Um, but I was reading it and I'm looking all through the book and I couldn't find anywhere in the book where it said that it was fiction. (laughs) So I had a good solid year where I really thought that vampires were real. And that is kind of, you know, fucked me up. I think a little bit, at least for the rest of my life. Um, So I started with that one. So I read the vampire Chronicles until they started to get out of hand and shitty. Um, once they hit Tale of the Body Thief, I was kind of over it. Uh, I read the first three, and I don't know if there's even more than that, of the Witching Hour series and the dirty ones. So my mom, 
she knew I was a really big fan of the Empire Chronicles. So she bought me the Sleeping Beauty one for my birthday when I was like 16. And I was reading them going, I, I don't think she meant to buy me this. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was not prepared for what those books contained at all. <laughs> well, here's, here's a, here's an awful story to take home with you. Very similar story to yours about how I found Anne Rice. However, I found that Sleeping Beauty book that my mom was reading. Oh, oh. Now, yeah, that's that's a whole that's a whole that's a whole bunch of issue you don't want to deal with. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole bunch of therapy copays right there. Yeah, I mean it was it was fine. Like you know, I, I'm I'm strong willed. Like I can deal with it. But <laughs> but those those I read those books in high school, and it was like the not the dirty ones, the vampire books, and those were so like embarrassingly influential on my life. I like, I, yeah. I, I kind of feel like a little bit better when someone else says they read those and it like it, you know, it's you're a writer. So I have respect for you and you said you read them. <laughs> so I feel like ah, a little better here. Oh yeah. No, I love them. I, I read, uh, I read the queen of the damned so many times that I think the cover came off my paperback copy. Oh yeah. I love that book. Yeah, I I thought I thought Akasha was like the biggest badass that ever was, even though she was completely nuts. Um, and I just yeah, I couldn't get enough of those. And then Anne Rice got weird, and um, you know I really like uh, the Mummy. I thought that was a great book, and I had wished for years and years and years that she would write a sequel to it, and she and her son did. And I have stalled. I don't know, maybe a hundred pages in and I can't, I can't even get through it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really, I gave up on the vampire books. I don't remember when, but I read a bunch of them and then it just started to go downhill. And then I read mm -hmm. one of her later ones that I think were about like angels or something. It was when she was in her weird Christian period yeah. and it was just abysmal. I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really bummed out by this. But then someone told me that she started writing vampire books again and they're like, fucking mermaids or from Atlantis or some shit. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll read that because that sounds terrible, but like in a really <laughs> great way. <laughs> yeah, if I'm ever looking to get pissed off, I mean, maybe maybe I'll try those out. But uh, no, she, Tale of the Body Thief I thought was terrible. And I think I tried a couple after that, like Memnock the Devil and Servant of the Bones. And, and after I just, I called it a day after that. Like, no, I, I, I can't do anymore. I think Tale of the Body Thief may have been the one that I tapped out on. I Probably because it's crappy. <laughs> yeah, I think that I, th I think the one before that I didn't like all that much either, and I was just like, eh, I'll just keep going. Yeah, I've I've given up on her. It pains me, but uh, I just I can't I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, as long as you're not still reading, uh, what, what was what was her like, Ursat's uh, like kind of soft cover version, uh, uh, Poppy Z Bright. Oh no! Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I tried to read. I think I tried to read one of those and I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Like I really like, um, I really liked Laurel Hamilton's vampire series or Anita Blake series until, I don't know, until they started to diverge into like porno territory. Oh, and, fun. Uh, then I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. That was the Poppy Z Bright. I don't remember the one, there was the one book that was like the super popular one, but she was like the Dean Koontz to, uh, to Anne Rice, yeah. you know? Yep. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Mean, you know, whatever. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, some I can get into, and some I can't. You know, like, you know, now now that I'm kind of on the other side of it, and and having books out there, and having strangers review my shit, kind of makes me far more forgiving. 
to other to other creators and um you know it's just i i just like to say usually it's, it's just not it's just not for me yeah well i'm a big fan of if i don't like something i'm I, i'm i'll tell people but i'm not going to leave a review like i'm not a yeah. bad review person unless it's like you know a defective product or or the food made me ill but like if right. i read a book i don't like I, like, why would you give a bad review? Like, here, I want to take food out of your mouth. Like, like right. don't, don't be a jerk. Like, I violently hate the book uh, Gone Girl uh, by Jillian Flint. And, and I would never leave a bad review for it. I hate it because she wrote awful people so effectively. That's why I hate oh, it yeah. so much. <laughs> so it's not, you know, it's not a bad book. But she wrote a book about really awful people that made me angry. And and I will never read that book again. But she wrote it really convincingly, so I have to give her credit at the same time. And can't say, well, this is you know a piece of shit. But I I do I hate that book so much. <laughs> I, I'm a little similar with Cormac McCarthy, where it's just so bleak, and there's just there's often just the worst humans that exist in those books, where it's right. just kind of like. I'm left with a bad taste in my mouth. And normally that's because it's a shitty book, but I'm like, no, it's not a shitty book. He just effectively wrote an awful human being. And that awful exactly. human being existed in my brain for a while. <laughs> exactly. Like there's, there's a scene in the, in the book, the road that is, uh, they go into a basement and there's the horrible thing in the basement. I will not give any kind of uh, spoilers away for anybody that reads it. But, uh, for the people out there that have read that book that, Oh, it's fucking awful and it's great but it's fucking awful and like oh there's a certain point where like i don't need to see this shit anymore right yeah no i don't i don't think i'm gonna pick that one up yeah i recommend not it's kind of like that point on the internet i don't know if you're like this with i was where you like early internet you're like looking at like the grossest stuff ever like holy yeah. shit rotten.com and then like one day you see that one thing too many you're like i don't yeah you know what i don't need this in my brain anymore Oh my God, Rotten.com. <laughs> yeah, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that took me back to like 1997. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that was... Yeah, I was the same way though. I would look up like just horrible shit and, you know, I... What the hell? Smokinggun.com was fun for a while too and yeah, I... No. At, at some point there there is that thing that you can't unsee and, and that kind of... That'll kill it for you. Yeah, I watched it was some video of like some dude blowing his head off. Like, and it was from far away. It wasn't like it certainly wasn't a super gory video. I mean, it, it was gory. You watched a human die. But like back then, what, I thought the Bud Dwyer video. No, it wasn't the Arbor Dwyer video. I find that actually kind of funny. Um, I, I don't like it's just it's it's he falls in the way that the gun goes off and the way he falls is in such a, like a Laurel and Hardy way. That yeah, if, it's it, kind of comical in the way that, like, Tom Atkins dies in Lethal Weapon. Like, it's just, it, it seems, even though you know it's real, it's, it seems very silly in yeah. the way that it happens. Yeah. And so that one doesn't get me, and it's, like, kind of grainy footage. This was, I don't remember what it, I think it was, uh, I don't know, some guy pulls his head off with a shotgun, and it's from far away. It's totally, like, grainy. There's yeah. nothing I haven't seen before, but, like, something in the back of my head went, like, yeah, you filled up that bar like that. Whatever yep. that urge was, you have reached the end of it and you no longer need to watch the shit now. Like I'm I'm like, I'm kind of a wuss where it's just like, nope, don't need to see it. Just put my hand up in front of my eyes. Don't need the shit. Exactly. Like I saw uh, what was it? The, the Daniel Pearl video. Uh, oh, yeah. Where they 
and I can never unsee that, and I'm sorry that I saw it, and I do not seek shit like that out at all anymore. I don't need to see any of it. That was about the time where I gave up on watching gory stuff, too, because that was one of the ones that I watched. I don't know. It was towards the end or after I decided to, like, not watch gory shit, and I think maybe that was one of the ones that I, like, watched out of, like, kind of, all right, let's see, and it was just like, oh, fuck me. I don't need that in my head. And then it once it's there, it can't ever not be there. Yeah. So, you know, hey, the the young people listening out there, don't don't watch awful videos. Because at some point your brain's going to change and you're still going to have the, you know, Mr. Hands video in your head. I don't know if (laughs) you ever saw that one, but yeah, don't don't. Mr. Hands is that uh, that fellow in Seattle that um, enjoyed horses too much. Oh, no, I'm not looking that up. Oh, no, don't, don't. Oh, no, no, like, literally don't. But there's a video of it, and and it's one of those ones where it's like, yep, boy, that's, uh, that's, that's forever. (laughs) Like, that's up there, that's up there with dancing at the prom. Same memory. (laughs) What the hell is wrong with people? I just, I don't, I don't understand it at at all. (laughs) You know, I mean, on the, on the list of fucked up things to do, you know, it's, it's. That's up there. Yeah, it's up there, but like at least it, you know, it, you know, at least the animal was doing the the thing. So you know, I guess it's, I don't know. No, it's, it's still like you know, it's awful. But on the list of awful, at least like at least there's comeuppance involved. <laughs> True. You know, it'd be, there's, there's it'd, that. it'd be like a Catholic priest falling down a flight of steps, where it's like, ah, you know, you deserve <laughs> it. Your pants were down. You kind of earned that one, Father. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I grew up at East Coast Catholic. I have a lot of a lot of issues I bring around with me. That's all right. I think there's a lot of a lot of Catholics that do. Yeah. Oh, so oh God, that had no here here's a segue that doesn't exist at all, Jen. All um right. I forgot I I meant to say this earlier. Do you know that uh, Periphery, the book I wrote, takes place in like right by you. It takes place in the burnt over district in New York. Where the hell is that? The Burned Over District was, uh, you know, that weird, like, forest era where all the Mormons hung out, like, back in the 1800s? You ever heard that story how Joseph Smith pops over that way? I know that there was the whole upstate New York thing. Yeah, that's... that's so. I don't think I ever looked into it any more other than... Uh, upstate New York is, is kind of a misnomer. Like, it's anywhere that's north of New York City. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, totally, yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, a vast area. Yeah. Um, and I did start Periphery, and I haven't, I haven't gotten terribly far into it yet. But I, I did start it. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure where the that area would even encompass here. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it really, it, it, it's not. Uh, it, you know, it, at no point do you go, oh, I'm not going to understand this book if I don't know where the burnt over district is. But um, it, there's a lot of weirdo shit happened there um, mm-hmm. back in like the 1800s. So. Uh, it's it's fun. Like the Mormons went through there. Like Madame Blavatsky. You ever heard of her? That weird uh, occult yeah. lady. Yeah. She she like either her or like some of her like followers like had a little like strange uh, you know run through. Um, so it's Bernard. Where does it it exists in? Oh yeah, it's like no, it's nowhere near. You forgot to take it back. It's like way the, it's like way the hell western New York and a little in the middle, western and central New York. Like Syracuse? 
Um, yeah, the middle, yeah, the central actually looks right, right about Syracuse, Ithaca E area, if I remember, if I, but I'm, okay. I'm very much, um, remembering, yeah, but there was, that's where the Seventh-day Adventists came from, uh, the Millerites, those weirdos that, like, jumped off of roofs because they thought the, uh, world was going to end, um. Is that, like, around where the Oneida community was, too? Yeah, the Oneida Society was right there, yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, that's all these weirdo just inexplicably in, in, in uh, upstate central whatever New York, just all these yeah. weirdos just started doing some weirdo shit up there. There's a lot of weird shit that goes on in New York. That's a, <laughs> that's actually I think I want to say it's like three hours from me. Yeah, it's one of those deals yeah. where it's you know it, it it's it's close as far as you know I I, I I'm three hours time wise away from you in <laughs> three time well, zones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's that's also the fun, the fun part of uh, uh, upstate New York, Burnover District thing. So I'd read about that after I'd moved off the East Coast. So, like, I sort of knew where it was in my head, but, like, yeah. not really. So, like, I had one scene where, like, it's not in the final book, but, like, they ended up going, like, kind of New York City area. Like, oh, I should probably look at a map first. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Like, I mean, I knew it was going to be a long car ride, but, like, oh, no. Sheesh, no, yeah, this is... a really long car ride. Yeah, no, that's, like, that's, that's, like, that's, like, Texas long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You know, there's... Like, I went to, where I went to college, you know, the year that I spent at college was, like, six hours away from me and still in the same state. Like, New York is bigger. I mean, it's not at all Texas big or California big, but it's pretty sizable. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's deceptive how far it goes. Mm -hmm. What college did you go to? Uh, I went to SUNY Brockport, which is, like, 25 minutes or so away from Rochester. It's, like... 10 miles from Lake Ontario. Okay. I know, I know Rochester. I do, Yes. I, I've never heard of that school, but I know, I know Rochester. Yeah, yeah. Most people haven't. Yeah. The word SUNY got that. And then, yep. yeah, then you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> SUNY, a little school that's kind of remotely known for, I think, athletics. And once they hosted the special Olympics, other than that, nothing. Yeah. I just know, you know, <laughs> the state universities. Cause Hey, look, you know, that's where they exist. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the, uh, the other books, they're also Hudson River Valley. Is that this is like a common theme in your stuff? So three out of the four, yes, because three, three out of the four are fiction. Uh, one of them is nonfiction. It's kind of like a memoir. It's, uh, it's a collection of letters that I wrote to my son. Uh, so that one, you know, well, I guess, yes, is set here, but only in, you know, the strictest sense, but, um, so the first book that I wrote is set in, I, I made it more of like a fictionalized version of, of where I live, but it is set locally. And, uh, the third book that I wrote is historical fiction and it's set in Hyde Park, which is, um, I don't know, it's the next town over from where building 51 is set, but it's like 20 minutes from where I live now. Wait, is Hyde so, Park famous for something? I know that town. Hyde Park is famous for um, Franklin Roosevelt. Oh, is that it? Okay, I know. There, yeah, there's like a big famous thing there. I'm like that. That rings. That rings. Like I read it in a book. Bells. Not. I drove through one time. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a um, there's a Bill Murray movie where he plays FDR about when uh, the Queen of England when they came over here. Um, but yeah, so FDR is from Hyde Park. There's a Vanderbilt mansion there. Uh, there's a few mansions, uh, like Gilded Age 
mansions over there. But yeah, it's it's mostly known for FDR. And his his family actually, his father originally owned the property that the state hospital from Building Fifty One was built on. They sold the land to the state. They owned they owned a lot of stuff here. Yeah, well, that's that's that East Coast thing. There's you know six families that own most of that coast for a while. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, and this was you know all of the rich people kind of got away from New York City and and came up here and and settled. You know, there's some down in Westchester and and uh, and up here too. Yeah. So, what's the historical fiction one? Sorry, I kind of kind of stomped on you because I got excited to recognize a town name. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so it's it's called Journey's End, and it's about this uh, it's about this guy who is orphaned at a young age in Hell's Kitchen in the late 1800s, and uh, befriends this woman who's the seamstress and you know, starts working for her and kind of builds his fortune and moves uh, out of the city up here to to Hyde Park and just kind of chronicles basically his life, you know, coming from nothing and and building up from there. So I, the Vanderbilt Mansion, it's about like five minutes away from FDR's home and it's this huge, huge structure and they have it's right on the Hudson River, and they have these, like, Italian-designed gardens. It's just this beautiful location, and I've always gone there with my grandmother since I was a kid, and it just kind of inspired me to, to write about it. So it's kind of, there's a little bit of an element of a ghost story to that one, too. It's not quite horror, but you do have kind of a little bit of paranormal mystery to it. But I did, you know, I did a lot of research on the house's construction and, um, you know, the history of the town and, and all of that. So I, I tend to write about more local stuff. Now, do you think this is going to be, uh, to go back to the, you know, kind of reference team, is this going to be your, your like Castle Rock or the, you know, your kind of touchstone? I, you know, I probably, <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I really like doing all of the research. You know, I, I like learning, you know, more about the history of where I live. And as somebody who, you know, grew up here thinking there's nothing here, it's boring as hell. And I can't wait to get out of, of this, you know, small place. Um, you know, I moved back as an adult and there's some really interesting stuff here, you know, the mansions and FDR and the hospital and, there, there's all kinds of stuff, and and if you take the time to to learn about it, you know you can make more interesting stories and and you know learn some stuff along the way. Yeah, I learned a lot about uh, mental institutions. That's for sure. That I will somehow have to figure out what what else to do with with all of that knowledge. <coughs> yeah, now that now it's floating around up there. Yeah. Exactly. Now it's now you know I spent you know over a year researching that stuff and the the history of the hospital itself and and mental hospitals in general and I I, I have to find something else other than just this book to do with it. Yeah. So how it's a, I mean I guess the, the how close is that to reality? Like some of the again this is I'm trying to dodge spoilers, but some of the treatments that you describe in the book are, are these are these are legit. This is Pulled from they all the happen. 
Yeah, that 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 uh, the pool, not the pool, the uh, the kind of tank immersion one sounds completely batshit. The the hydrotherapy. Yes. Yes, that that was a thing, and um, it kind of I think you know it's one of the tamer things that that were done uh, to patients in, in mental hospitals. I mean, you had things like lobotomies and electroshock therapy, which are far more uh, notorious than than hydrotherapy. That was kind of the the quiet one that snuck up on me. Like you're going to live in a bathtub forever, well, not, that, not forever, but well, that's the thing about it is so like. I understand the thinking behind a lobotomy because lobotomy was actually incredibly effective. Like you were running around banging your head into walls and now you're sedate. You know, that, yeah, I'm not saying. And now you aren't. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's not a good thing that happened, but we, they had no drugs to control people right. from a certain perspective that did put people, put the community out of danger. There was calm things. Electroshock right. therapy. They still use ECT a little bit. Like it's much more refined. Sort of, you know, yeah. their old shitty way sort of makes sense. Right. Go sit in some water for a while. <laughs> that one, <laughs> that one is a weird one on me. <laughs> there was, uh, so the, the hospital here, they actually, they have a small museum that's run by the, they had, the, the hospital had a nursing school and the, the museum is run by the alumni. And one of the items that they have at the museum which was never used at Hudson River, but it was used in other hospitals, uh, was, it was something called the Utica crib. And they have one there. I, it, they don't know how they ended up with it. Um, but it's basically a crib, you know, like wooden slats with, you know, bars on the sides or whatever, but it's adult size. And they would put, um, I don't remember if it was, if it was more, uh, used for schizophrenic patients, but it was more for like the, the, the more like violent, uh, acting out patients. They would put them in there and it would swing, like putting a baby in a crib. And that was a viable treatment at, at one point. In time. Yeah. I mean, that one like, I can even follow. Oddball shit. <laughs> yeah. they, like, like they put a bunch of words on a wall and threw darts at yeah. it to see what they were going to try to do to people. Well, I mean, I guess the, the swing one, I mean, albeit fucking bonkers but i could sort of like i could see the line of thinking the hydrotherapy tank is just i i rarely had something so because i I, just flummoxed of why would you think sitting in water for a really long time would cure your brain like it just doesn't there's nothing about that maybe it's just i'm just i i'm maybe i'm too smart now because to to understand that level of of better better you know medical thinking i I don't know like when i get stressed out like sometimes i'll take a bath i don't ever consider staying in it for like longer than maybe half an hour yeah um but not like a month that that seems really excessive yeah like they understand like pruny fingers and like how like your body does weird shit after a little bit of water (laughs) yeah you don't want to be in there, you know, like after 45 minutes and they would, you know, they would feed them while they were in there. They would cover their eyes and just, uh, no, no, I don't, I don't know why they thought that was a good idea. You know, there was another, uh, another treatment that they did was, uh, insulin therapy and that, that was done more for schizophrenic patients and they would pump them full of insulin and basically give them a, in essence, like an overdose, and it would put them in a coma, and they would do that um, repeatedly over the course of 
a week to a couple weeks and keep putting them in the coma because they, they thought that would get rid of the, uh, the schizophrenia, Ugh. which obviously did, did not work. Yeah. At least that one's getting closer to the medicine now. Like, I mean, most of the, like, you know, mental health drugs that we have now were, let's just see what this does. And it's like, oh, interesting. Exactly. Like all the SSRIs and SSNRIs, like they don't really understand why they work, but they do. Like right. when they discover lithium, they're like, fuck, really? You know, like, <laughs> like that did it. Yeah, it was, there was, you know, it's, it's almost like an accidental, like amazing thing. So it's not, it's not out of the question that they're like, well, insulin's good for blood sugar, maybe, maybe, right. you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like once the fifties hit and they, they started having, you know, drugs, I mean, then they started, they stopped a lot of these, a lot of these treatments, thankfully. Um, you know, but, uh, before that it was like anybody's guess how the hell anything was going to work. Like, yeah, we'll try this out and see what fucked up shit happens. Yeah. It's crazy how some of that stuff kind of com- comes back. So like ECT is modern therapy now. Like they know how to yeah. target it better. And like, it's actually very effective against it with, against depression for, it's the only thing I've looked into it. Cause I'm a depressed mope, but like, it, it's a totally valid theory. Like, fuck, even like leeches are used in modern medicine now. So it's kind of weird how right. like this kind of, yeah, let's see what happens, sort of comes back to be useful. Yeah, a little bit. We have some throwback stuff going on. Yeah, but not. Yeah, you know. I don't I don't think we should go back to, to insulin therapy or uh, or the, the Utica crib or hydrotherapy for that matter. Yeah. Those I- can be left in the past. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think we should probably start burning witches. Um, I think that thing where you just keep putting weight on someone's chest until they admit that shit like that. That sounds like a really good idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not? into that. Yeah. Firing squads. Why not? Let's go well, old school. Well, I do have I do have a theory on this, and this is I'm actually anti death penalty, but I really feel like the guillotine is far more of a humanitarian way to die than than the electric chair. It's super quick. Like, it's flawless. Like, no one's ever been misguillotined. Like, people have not been electrocuted enough. People have not had enough of, like, the, you know, uh, lethal injection. Guillotine seems like, that actually seems like the most humane way to, to off a, you know, another person. You know, I, I've I've never thought about it. And, and now that you're saying that, I, I think I have to agree with you there. Right? I mean, it sounds ridiculous because... Yeah. You know, it's this archaic thing, but it's quick. It's, it's I, effective. Yeah. And like, there's very little way it can go wrong to such an extent that like, like maybe it gets caught on the way down, but like the person on the, you know, like with their head down, they're not, they're either going to get dead a lot or dead most of the way. Either way, they're fucked. Like there's, it's over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if it's most of the way, it's going to be coming shortly. Yeah. Because it's it's hitting your spine first. That's you know that's exactly. generally generally a part. Of like if you need to drop a heavy, sharp object on you, spine, last place you want that to happen. Yeah, I mean it's not going to be a case where like they do a, the wrong dose if they're doing lethal injection or a situation like in the Green Mile where they don't wet the sponge. Yeah, the yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty pretty clean, literally pretty clean cut. Yeah. Well, I read this. Yeah. St- I read the story about the first person that they electrocuted in the electric chair, and I won't go into detail because it's fucking disgusting. But like, it didn't work well, and it took a really long time, and it was, it was a real bad way to go. 
And it's one of those deals of like, ugh, like, you know, that can still happen. But, you know, big blade drops in your head. Cool. It's done. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, even even with hanging people, that could go wrong, too. Yeah. But I feel like hanging people. Well, I mean, it's not like people really get away with it. But like, I feel like if you get hung and it doesn't work, you should probably just be let go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Like, you talk about an act of God. I mean, they were all into that God thing back then. Like, hey, they tried to hang him, didn't work. That's got to be the Almighty stepping in. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, we've got the message. We're just going to let him go. Yeah. Or, or they're, you know, a warlock. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> so, so since it is uh, an Alex cast and you write about paranormal stuff, do you have any, like, direct experience with any of this stuff? Um, <clears throat> or, or near direct, you know, any, any adjacent things? Um, I mean, I had, like, I had a couple experiences with stuff, like, the, the house I grew up, I'm saying like a lot, which really pisses me off. Yeah, um, w- welcome to getting used to talking to a microphone. It is infuriating <laughs> how many times you're going to pick up on vocal tics. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to gonna really aggravate me. Uh, so, the house I grew up in, I had some weird shit go on there when I was younger. Um, so... When I was 17, I saw basically like this white cloud in my living room that floated from one end of the room uh, into my kitchen and then disappeared. Uh, So that was one random thing. Like it was the middle of the day. I didn't have the air conditioner on. It was the winter. Uh, There was no reason why there should have been an amorphous shape going through the house. How, How big of a cloud are we talking here? Um, I would say probably like bottom to top, two and a half, three feet, and it was probably two feet off the ground. Yeah, that's a, that's a significant ass cloud. Like, yeah, that's not some yeah. dust mode or something. Yeah. No, wow. no, it wasn't mm-hmm. like you know, like I have three cats. I end up with like cat hair tumbleweeds in the house. This was this was not that. Um, it was just very odd. You know, there was nothing else going on in the house you know we weren't doing any doing any construction or anything like that it was just me home alone and uh just happened to turn around and saw it move from one end to you know into the into the doorway to the kitchen oh wow, that's uh, crazy nope. i used to i used to hear stuff too when i was younger like i would hear a voice coming like saying my name coming from the other end of the house uh at night and the only person with a bedroom on that end of the house where the sound was coming from was my younger brother. My, he had, um, he had cerebral palsy, so he never spoke. So hearing, you know, obviously it was not him. So I would, I would hear that at night. So it was just weird shit. Yeah. Did, did, that, uh, did the house have a history before, before you guys? No, I mean, I think there were a couple families that lived there before we did, but it was uh, it was a modular, so it was you know one of those snap together homes that comes in two pieces, uh, and it had only been there I think since the seventies. So I don't think that there was anything there before our house. So I don't you know so far as I know there's there's no history there. Um, I lived in Pennsylvania for a little while, and the house I lived in there. Uh, stuff started to go on there like lights would be on when I came home that weren't on when I had left and the water faucet and the the bathroom sink would turn on um 
I was on the phone one night in my, and I was sitting in my living room and across the room from me was the door to go to the side yard. And behind me was the doorway to the kitchen and the kitchen light was on. And so while I was talking on the phone, I was looking at the door at the glass pane in it. And behind me, something blocked out all of the light in the, from the kitchen behind me. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That creeped me out uh, a whole bunch. Um, so, you know, like all of this little shit was going on, like it was never anything sinister, but it was just enough, um, to really make me unsettled. And I was in the process of selling my house at the time. And I found out that one of the previous owners had killed himself in my house, which I didn't know when I bought it. Um, so that was kind of an unsettling thing to, uh, to find out. And if I ever buy another house again, I will absolutely ask <laughs> if anyone has died in the house. Yeah, I mean, do you really want to know that though? I mean, that's, <laughs> I'd rather live in ignorance till something shows up. I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think I'd rather be prepared for the possibility of it. Yeah. Now having lived in two houses where just random shit started to happen. Um, like even in, even in my where I live now, like every once in a while I'll catch something out of the corner of my eye that's just not right. Yeah. Like I'll, but it's not anything like enough where I'm ever concerned about it. Like it could just be my old ass eyes <laughs> playing <laughs> tricks on me, um, you know. But it, it's not anything where I feel like upset or or unsettled by it. It's just kind of like, did I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe I didn't. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, nobody's told me to get out or anything like that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's what the hell do you do if you hear get out? You know, like I, I don't know. I I'm own this joint. Up my shit. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. But like, I got a lot of money invested here. Ghost. Like could you, could, <laughs> could you just hold on for a little while. Yeah. I mean, I rent. So I mean, it's, it's Oh, not, you're good then. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can just yeah, fuck off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, like this house, if if there was a house that I was going to live in that was probably going to be haunted or had the possibility of it, this house was built in like 1925. So it's, you know, it's been around for a while. Yeah, it's crazy. My house that I live in now, I I rent the basement of of a house that's built in 1905, which is ancient for Portland. Like, cause you know, people showed up here a week last Tuesday, like we're brand new. (laughs) So, but and this is one of the first places I've lived that I have felt nothing remotely weird. Like, just, it's completely clean. Like, I grew up in a house that was built in, like, the 50s in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. that shit was haunted as hell. <laughs> lived in an apartment building, haunted as hell. Like, I've had a lot of, like, weird-ass, like, just kind of haunted-y, paranormal-filled places. 1905, yeah. this should be haunted as shit. Nope, just... The, the only the only thing weird is with paranormal. Yep. The only thing weird is, you know, it's creaky, but it's like, oh, I know what that is. It's creaking because don't let ha- right. don't pass out. <laughs> it's weird how that My works. And I, when we were um, right before we got married, we were looking, you know, we were looking at houses and looking for some place to buy. And there was this house on the market that we went to look at that it's right it's right on the Hudson River, and it's the oldest wood frame house in the county. So it was built in the 1700s, Ooh. and it's it's really cool. Like it's you know got these huge rooms and you know all the original beams. It's on the historic register, and we really like the house. And 
when we were looking at it, you know, there's the plaque outside the, the front door, same as on the, the historic register. And so the guy who built it owned a brickyard. And it says on there, you know, his slaves would ferry the bricks from one side of the river to the other over to Poughkeepsie um, for the for the brickyard. And Aaron was just like, uh, no, <laughs> this guy owns slaves. This place is going to be haunted as shit. We're not buying this house. Yeah. Like, yeah, I probably it's not going to be good. Yeah, and even without the, the, you know, the ghostly aspect, it's still kind of creepy to live in a place that, like, proudly has a sign about their ex-slave ownership. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not good either. But, yeah, probably, I mean, maybe he was a nice guy. I don't know, but he still owns slaves, and I don't really want to live in a, in a slave owner's house. Yeah, especially also, in the, especially that far like, north. <laughs> exactly. Like, you must yeah. be an uber asshole if you own slaves in fucking New York. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there you know, for being New York, there are a lot of people with Confederate flag shit here. Ugh, um, yeah. yeah, that's not the best. But uh, yeah, if you were up here and and you had slaves, that's probably. I I'm glad we didn't get that. Out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take I'll take the 1925 one instead of the 17 whatever the hell it was. Yeah, also, I'm trying to wrap my head around a wood frame house from 17-whatever being remotely structurally sound. Yeah, you know, like, it's funny. The, when we were looking at it, I think somebody somebody bought it for, like, I don't know, $200,000, which was, I don't know, 10 years ago. Um, and they owned it for, like, a year, and then they put it on the market, I'm guessing, because it needed a whole lot of work. And the next person that bought it, I think, bought it for, like, $40,000. Yeah. Or it was super haunted by, or like, really pissed off sleeves. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a little of column A, a little from column B. Yeah. It, it's both drafty and very haunted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I'll stay right where I am. I think it's probably wisdom there. All right. Mm -hmm. so, so, Jennifer, we have, we have been talking for, for the time allotted. I would like you... If you can, tell my audience where, they, don't even tell them, demand them to buy your stuff. And where can they buy it? What is the name of it? Give them all of your things. Plug away, my dear lady. All right. So, um, so Building 51, you can find on Amazon. You can find it on Barnes & Noble. You can find it on, I don't know, like Books a Million or whatever, you know, websites you go to to buy books. Uh, I am, it is on sale until Labor Day, uh, on, in ebook for 99 cents. And then it'll go back up to, you know, the skyrocketed price of 2.99 after that. Um, but yeah, so it's available Amazon and Barnes and Noble in print and ebook. Uh, I have a website, which I just started doing not that long ago. And I'm still trying to figure all of that out, which is jenniferlplace.com. And, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. I don't do much of the tweeting. Usually it's political. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's, I think that's about it. Well, good. Uh, I, I recommend everybody go out, purchase Jennifer's book, and, um, you know, leave really good reviews. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even even if they don't make any sense, like write yeah, them like you're right. a Russian bot. Just as long as five stars show up. Exactly. That's a 
the stars are all that matter. Yes, five stars. Big American <laughs> book is fun, fun time often to going there. Oh, great. Now flip the page. Perfect. Exactly. Great review. <laughs> <laughs> it can be completely incoherent. I don't care. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. We're just collecting them <laughs> stars. Yeah, exactly. We just need the uh, Amazon metric. Yes. All right. Well, Jen, thank you uh, very much for coming on. And uh, I, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, that's the official end. So now we're now we're off recording. Okay.